0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: It is Locked On Jazz for the 6th of May. Dennis Lindsay speaks and talks about Donovan and Rudy, plus a bunch of other notes. Why I hope nobody watches Korean baseball. What? Well, I don't really hope no one watches, but I've got a thought on that. The next Michael Jordan and greatest games of jazz history, Carlos Boozer goes off in Houston. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and making it way more fun to be a jazz fan, hopefully. Thanks so much for tuning in. Hope you're having a great day. If you have a daily DeVar, which is our kind of things that remind us why we're a sports fan, what makes us happy, what why sports is important to us in our lives, why this gives us a smile in the midst of a pandemic, please email it to me at DLock09 at gmail.com. DLock09 at gmail.com. So yesterday, Dennis Lindsay held a Zoom call with the media. And, uh, of course, after an introduction where he thanked uh, Quinn Snyder and, and Mike Elliott and uh, uh, specifically Steve Smith, uh, our security guy, for the work that they did in Oklahoma City and uh, to get us home and take care of everything well, uh, as well as numerous other people, including Angela Dunn and, and members of the Oklahoma and uh, Utah uh, epidemiologist staff and everything. Uh, the first question, of course, was about Donovan and Rudy and their relationship, the question that's on every jazz player's mind. And, and as I have said kind of numerous times, the, the lesson here is um, two part. One is the lesson is uh, don't become the lead story on the day in or shortly after the day in which sports stops, right? Like, uh, if this was a regular environment, there have been 25 other stories by now, but this one's lasted for eight weeks because of the fact that there's nothing else to talk about. The other the other thing I've said on this uh, is that you've got two guys who have a shared brilliance and their shared experiences are on the floor with that brilliance. And right now in the current environment, they, they can't share that. Um, you know, there's nothing about Donovan and Rudy other than the fact that they were both drafted by the same team that naturally makes them best of friends, nor does it matter to make them best of friends. So their shared experiences when Donovan jumps on Rudy's back and sprays him with. With, you know, water in a bottle while he's being interviewed by Kristen Kenny are all predicated based on their shared experiences on the court. And in this bizarre world right now, they don't get those shared experiences on the court so that I think. You know, I think you have to re- remember that. And I thought Dennis kind of addresses that. Well, in fact, let's, let's just go and take word for word and let you hear. We have the capability of doing that. Hear what Dennis Lindsay had to say in regards to Donovan and Rudy.
2: As for Donovan and Rudy, uh, I think they both spoke to this. They're ready to put uh, this behind them, uh, move forward, uh, act professionally, uh, look, the COVID nineteen um, night of March twelfth was really unprecedented. It, it brought a microscope to our team, and and we get it. Um, with that said, uh, we're very pleased with the collective makeup of our group. Donovan and Rudy, in particular, and we look forward uh, to moving forward. And, They've said their piece uh, to each other. Uh, uh, They've both visited uh, at the ownership level, at management level, at the coaches level, at the players level with each other. They're fully participating in our Zoom workouts. And uh, there's going to be another level, I I think, for the whole team to get back to each other. And frankly, I think our gratitude um, towards each other will will be deeper, uh, deeper that we missed the camaraderie. Uh, we missed the competition. Uh, we even miss you guys. And, and so with that said, we, had full, we fully that the team to come together in a, in a great way and, and continue to move forward uh, as a group. We were just starting to improve as a team. Those last six or seven games, I think we, we found a few things, a few rotations that really uh, worked. And I think at the end of the day, Donovan and Rudy, I don't want to speak for them on every matter. They'll speak for themselves moving forward. But I think uh, at the most basic level, they know they need each other to accomplish the goals that we want to accomplish as being the last team standing in the
1: NBA. So there's what Dennis Lindsay had to say yesterday. And, you know, I think that, you know, really what he, a lot of that, Kind of matches. I mean, the key element here is that you've put together a good group of guys. Uh, you've put together high-character guys who are reasonable, and who you know obviously during high pressure and high stress had uh, you know some frustration with each other. You you heard him say that you know it's been discussed at multiple levels and been discussed in multiple ways, um, and so now now they move forward. And, and, and this is where the fact that you have a high character group. So, um, you know, you have Joe Ingles, who's just going to, you know, bring everyone together, probably sometimes in a fun way. George Niang, who's in such a good mood all the time, he's going to make it impossible for guys to be uh, upset. Mike Conley, who's the cool, calm, you know, positive influence. The, the quiet one in the team that's really important things like that. This is Ed Davis. This is where a guy like Ed Davis you bring into this group, and he can sit down and and use his years of experience and understanding and maturity and ups and downs of his career, uh, and and be the and they and they all look to Ed uh, at an at a really high level uh, of respect to who he is as a person and how he conducts himself, and so this is where you end up with a guy like Ed Davis having a having a pretty impactful impact because he can talk to each of them individually with some time and say, Hey, like, like we're going to come together as a group. And also you just have a collective group, right? There's a, there's a collective nature to them. And we get back to where I started. You get back to being able to have shared experiences, work on what you're brilliant at. You know, th- there are circumstances in which, you know, players become greatest of friends. But I mean, I think if you actually, I, I don't suspect that Stockton and Malone are talking every month, right? I, I don't, you know, I don't think they were ever best of friends. I think they were teammates who understood their value with each other. And they had one of the most incredible on court relationships of all time, but I, I don't have the feeling. And I think they would, you know, if you ask them, they would say they were close. But if you actually, I think watch their actions, I don't think they're spending a huge amount of time, um, with each other and doing those kind of things. John Stockton and Mark Eaton became very, very close. That, that, that's a true, you know, I think those two talk with some regularity, um, you know, I don't have a feeling that Darren and Carlos are talking a great deal, but they were pretty, you know, symptomatic on the or or uh, connected on the court together, and so you you have when you have that kind of level of play, you don't have to have uh, some you know incredible you know best friend BFF uh, hashtag relationship. You you just play together, work together, and that's what these guys are gonna do. Some other things. I thought Dennis was interesting about he talked about how he really felt the team had hit its stride uh, rotation wise that bench unit had been playing so very well before the break uh, and doing a tremendous amount of things there uh, he talked about preparing the facilities uh, that they'll be open up opening up at some point he wouldn't give an exact date on it they're going through all sorts of protocol to make sure that it's uh, it's perfect and ready for the players to come back uh, that a lot of players are in town uh, when talk, he wouldn't uh, give any idea of starting dates but he talked about the the league's philosophy is data not dates that they're they're not looking at data not dates and then an interesting thing he talked about was obviously the value of naming a champion but he also talked about the value of running through a part of this season and having played under these new the new environment and the new rules and the new things that are taking place Um, because I think that it gives you a little bit of a Um, you know, some knowledge maybe for the year moving forward. So I thought that was a lot of really interesting pieces there uh, from Dennis Lindsay in the way, uh, in what he talked about in about 30 minutes with the media uh, and the key component uh, you heard right there. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. That's right. The great tasting energy bar that is rebuilding the way you think of energy and nutritional bars. It is Built Bar. Built Bar is... I, I can't you got to taste it for yourself to fully grasp uh, the flavor difference. But I mean, if you think about how many years we've had of protein bars that are chalky or uh, they get a little cold, they're, they're hard to, eat, to break in any fashion uh, or eat. Um, this is the exact opposite. This is a great tasting bar with incredible numbers. Uh, the mint chocolate cream bar I had the other day, 110 calories, 15 protein grams, four grams of sugar is all you compare that to the leading men's bar out there you're talking that bar has probably about 250 calories depending which flavor 250 calories instead of 110 it's got net carbs of 38 instead of 5 sugar 21 grams built bars got just 4 so you got great taste you've got amazing numbers and you've got an array of super flavors if you're a nut allergy person like myself they make all their nut uh, things in an facility that is nut free they have a separate facility go to builtbart.com enter in the promo code locked on and you get ten dollars off your first box you can get the 15 flavor 18 bar mix box or you can build your own box while you're at it it's builtbar.com taste it to believe it it's the energy bar the protein bar that is changing the way you'll think about eating bars well you'll think about like eating a candy bar today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at intercap Lending. Intercap Lending, Steve Carter and the crew there are our loan officers. Intercap's been an amazing uh, partner of Lockdown, and hopefully we've been an amazing partner for them because when we have started, uh, since they started with us, they have exploded. When we first started with them, they had like three branches. Last check, they were over 15 branches from St. George to Logan to Tooele to Vernal, also in Boise, Las Vegas, and Phoenix. Uh, there, This year, they uh, twenty halfway through 2019, they had doubled their revenue for 2018. Like, why do you do something like that? Because you're closing deals, because you are easy to work with. They're hyper responsive. They embrace change. They have amazing experience, borrower experience. Steve Carter was my loan officer. That's how this all started. And now he is your loan officer. Locked on Jazz has our specific loan officer. We give you the corporate discount at Intercap. Call Steve Carter at 385 800 8528. 385 800 8528. And when you're done, uh, You'll end up doing what everybody else has done is sending me an email to say this is the most amazing experience I have had. That's right. Steve Carter just gets review after review after review um, of people saying what an amazing experience it is to work with him. I think it's just been great. Tom Ferguson heard about Intercapped on a podcast, so I gave them a try and went to the refinance. Our situation was a little more complicated because we're a small business owner. Steve Carter was amazing to work with. Always super polite, extra communicative to let us know exactly what was going on and would certainly recommend him. John J. our InterCap lending was amazing. Steve Carter was our loan agent that helped us purchase our home and he far exceeded our expectation. Our realtor was a disaster. Steve stepped in and helped facilitate negotiations and helped us close on our new home. Use Steve Carter. Give him a call. Steve Carter can be reach your personal loan officer at intercap lending at 385-885-28 that's 385-885-28 intercap lending nmls number 190465 i made the comment earlier that i didn't want korean baseball to be watched it's not really what i meant here's what i mean to me i get it like we're desperate for live sports But if people are actually watching Korean baseball, to me, it devalues a little bit. The Donovan Mitchell, the Rudy Gobert, the Joe Ingles, the George Niang, the Mike Conley's. Not that these guys aren't the best in the world. It's just like that we'll watch anything. And I don't think we will just watch anything. I think what we'll watch is guys we're connected to, women that we're connected to, athletes that are at their peak that are the best in the world of something we're interested in like to see. And I think you know, we'll watch great competition. We don't know any of the 10 teams in Korean baseball. We don't know any of the players. I really can't imagine that we're going to start watching it unless this is just a fix to get our gambling in, right? That's the only thing that makes any sense to me from a programming standpoint of Korean baseball is if it's just to get your gambling fix in that we don't have anything to gamble on and we all want to, and that's fine. Like that's a like, frankly, I was looking at the daily racing forum last week. Like I liked, I don't gamble, but I love to bet the horses and do that kind of stuff. And so I was, you know, that was going to be my, where I was filling my void. If it's to fill the void, that's fine. But the idea that we can just put any sports on at any time and end up thinking that it's going to uh, suffice our needs to me is a little insulting to the players and the time we spend the most time on. That, that's just the take I have on it. I mean, it's a little bit like all of a sudden ESPN announced that they're going to launch three more documentaries out of Last Dance to build off it. And there are three fascinating topics. They're Lance Armstrong, Bruce Lee, uh, and McGuire, and Sosa, but they're not Michael Jordan. Like, Michael Jordan and The Last Dance are just different. It's just a totally different level of connection and everything that's going on with it. By the way, I hope you're catching it every Monday. We're doing a last dance post game show on, on locked on NBA. Uh, they've been pretty good. So if you go back and watch the Monday show, we got in some pretty interesting heated debates on, uh, this last week on kind of some aspects of things. Um, so, you know, feel, feel free to grab it. Uh, it was a pretty good one. Uh, so anyway, that's just my thought on that. I mean, you know, when we're, at least when we're watching old games, well, you know, you can't, they're not live and we don't know what's, we already know the outcome. You're at least watching someone who's got at least in, I, I you know, some element of brilliance and something that we're actually interested in or we're interested in. Um, I wanted to give one shout out, uh, in this time. I, I've mentioned a few things I read every day, uh, that are out there and, and people do are doing great work. Basketball Reference, which is, you know, an incredible site, um, is sending out an email every day. Um, I, it unfortunately usually comes a little later um, than, frankly, I'm able to use it for the show every day. And I, I was kind of fig- trying to figure out a, a way to use it. It's pretty fun. So, what Basketball Reference has done is they've put out an email every day, like of things that happened on this day in bas- in, in basketball history. Um, and so, uh, they are uh, they have the best performers uh, of that day. They have if you so if you sign up for their newsletter, you'll get it. And here's some of the fun examples. Uh, for example so today you know it's uh, this is top May 5 performers not May 6 and I guess I could have just been doing this the whole time but so Charles Barkley uh, dropped 37 14 and 9 on 15 of 19 the free throw line in Philadelphia versus Milwaukee in, in 86 Larry Bird in 87 versus Milwaukee these are all playoff games went 40 11 and 7 Hakeem Olajuwon versus Dallas in 98 went 40 points 15 rebounds 3 assists Jerry West in 1969 went 42, 13, and 12 with a triple-double. It's fun to just look at these names. Uh, Houston Clyde Drexler in 95 against Utah puts up 41 points, nine rebounds, and six assists in a playoff game. Willie Wise for the Utah Stars had 26 points and 24 rebounds. Kawhi Leonard, by the way, had 39 and 14 for Toronto last year, Patrick Ewing, 34, 16 and five was six blocks against the bulls in 92. Michael against Cleveland went 44, five points, four assists. And then Zelmo Beatty for the Utah stars in that same game that Willie wise went 26 and 24, went 40 points and 15, uh, rebounds. So kind of a fun thing. They other have, they have other kind of notes in here. Um, in 69, Bill Russell played his final game as a player for the Boston Celtics um, as they beat the Lakers in game seven. It was his 11th championship in 13 years. Uh, recognize a few guys going to the Hall of Fame. 40-point um, triple doubles in NBA history because of Jerry West. So LeBron's done it three times. Oscar Robertson's done it twice. Russell Westbrook did it in the, in the uh, 2017 Western Conference game one, uh, round one. Uh, in a loss, he had 51, 10 and 13, uh, Charles Barkley did it in the Western conference finals with 43, 15 and 10 and George McGinnis did it in 95, uh, with 51.7 rebounds and 10 assists. So it's kind of fun. They just dropped these various things. Happy birthday to PJ Tucker yesterday, Lafonso Ellis, um, all sorts of just kind of, it's a fun way to shoot back. So uh, tip of the hat to basketball reference. It's a fun one to get every single day. It's called your stat head. Uh, and I just thought I'd throw it out there and and mention it. Uh, before we get into the Jazz Greatest Games, I thought another great piece that was out there was in the ringer. And Pablo did it, and they were doing it on the next Michael Jordans. And it's a pretty incredible list. I mean, so there's the Harold Miner and the Felipe Lopez's that we talk about all the time of, that were the two busts. Uh, that took place. The other side of it is, you know, is that uh, up until 2008, the, it was the next Jordan was mentioned more. And then finally in 2008, the next LeBron was mentioned more. And in 2009, it was the next Kobe. So up through that period of time, through 2008, the, the, the obvious ones, Grant Hill was the first one. And if he hadn't had all the injuries, he was awfully close. I don't know if people realize how great Grant Hill truly was. And then there's LeBron and Kobe. So those are the three, Um, and you know, I don't think Grant Hill probably always gets put into that group as much as he should. If you, if you actually look at Grant Hill's career and where he was and what he was doing prior to the injuries in Detroit, uh, he had this six, he was six, eight, and he had this game that that really did represent kind of a Jordan aspect of things. He was averaging 21 points and nine rebounds and seven assists. He averaged his second year in the league. He averaged 20 points, 9.8 rebounds and 6.9 assists. I mean, Grant Hill was really, really, really special. Uh, And then the injuries, he goes to Orlando, the injuries take him, he ends up playing, you know, forever. But, and now part owner of the Atlanta Hawks, and just an incredibly interesting guy. Uh, But there's another five guys that kind of fell under the next Jordan and none of them obviously ever reached that level, but it's a pretty interesting group. So Jerry Stackhouse is North Carolina third pick of the draft, and he could fly. <laughs> so he gets the next Jordan. I mean, he played eighteen years in the league, two-time All Star, and one year of Stackhouse's career, Stackhouse ends up averaging thirty points a game. Pablo Pablo points out in that in the piece, like Stack was pretty special. Um. He started in Philadelphia with Iverson, so he got lost by it. Then he goes to Detroit, he averages 29.8 points a game when he's 26 years old. Pretty. And actually, if you go back and look at 2000, he's shooting six threes a game. He's kind of revolutionary in some ways. Then you have Vince Carter, North Carolina, fifth pick the draft, and he could fly, and, and we know his career. Penny Hardaway is interesting because he kind of was the next Magic, but he was the next Jordan, but he was kind of caught in the middle of it. And again, he played 14 years in the league. The, all, the injuries to his knees hurt him. Four all-star appearances. And the last two in the next Jordan realm that I do think are interesting are um, Ray Allen, who never became the dominant player and became a shooter, but there, but he's, he was so influenced by Jordan. I spent so much time with him. He was so influenced by Jordan in the sense of his off-court, the movies, the swag. He was a a jump man guy. Um, And then Dwayne Wade's 2006 finals is probably the most Jordan-esque performance we've seen out of anyone. So it's a pretty amazing list. I mean, obviously, you've got the three big ones. Grant Hill, whose injuries uh, curtailed him from being that. LeBron and Kobe, who did it. And then you've got Stackhouse, Carter, Penny Hardaway, Ray Allen, and Dwayne Wade all come out of that ilk. It's a pretty good look at the way the NBA played uh, and what's going on. So I finally decided. Uh, I, I looked at the Tucson for a long time. I'm driving the Sonata. It doesn't have four-wheel drive, so for us living up uh, the canyon, it's it, it was not the, the right choice, uh, but the Sonata is amazing. I, I'm telling you what, if you are looking for a sedan right now, I'm driving that Sonata right now. It's got pop. It looks great. Like I was with... Uh, a uh, buddy of mine playing golf over at valley view the other day and we came out and he looked at it and he's like wow it's it looks great it's bells and whistles are amazing i told you about the turning signals it's so cool you flip the turning signal on and it puts a camera up in front of you well a bunch of those safety features on the sonata actually weighed me to we're gonna get the new the new santa fe so we're actually getting our second santa fe uh in the house uh and the, the, the new one's just it's beautiful and it's just such a nice car i just couldn't It's, you know, it's a big difference. Uh, It's, it's 0% still over 72 months, which is pretty great. Um, The Tucson and the Sonata are 0% for 84 months, which is even more amazing. Um, And just, you know, 72 months, still a long time. So it's just a great deal. Couldn't bypass taking advantage of it right now. It's a little earlier than we planned on, but the deals are amazing. Did it with Murdoch Hyundai, of course, at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan, and located in linden if you're gonna stop by and you want to look at any of these cars you can email me at dlock09 at gmail.com the other thing is they have the new hyundai sure program this is what we did they bring the car to us uh we test drove it and got it uh and that's the way we dealt with them in fact they've been so great us. we actually um even went to the point which we've had a car Uh, They store our tires for us, so we've been dealing with some things with them, and they've been just amazing on that regard as well. So uh, super uh, appreciative of everything I've experienced there and uh, super appreciative of uh, the amazing deals that Hyundai has right now. Murdoch Hyundai, 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. Email me at dlock09 at gmail.com. The Carlos Boozer, Darren Williams era to me gets lost a little bit in the history of jazz basketball. I think um, for some various reasons, right? Uh, it was the it was the group after the Stockton Malone. Then you had the Gordon Hayward kind of team uh, and build up. Darren is got the blow up with Sloan that kind of forever taint his existence with the Jazz. Uh, hopefully moving past that. Boozer had his hamstring injury and had to follow. He just wasn't, you know, he wasn't Carl Malone, frankly, is what it came down to. He just, like, he was great, but he wasn't, well, great, because Carl Malone's one of the top whatever amount of players, you know, 15, 20, probably players in the history of the game. Um, and so, you know, and then you had the Gordon Hayward build up year, and then Hayward, now you have the Donovan year. Like, to me, it's the, it's the lost year. Probably, in retrospect, we need to look back and give it a little bit you know, more respect than it deserves. I mean, they it it is the one that brought us out of the 26-win season up to back to 50 wins in three out of four years uh, before it all fell apart in the 2010-11 season. We weren't used to things uh, uh, falling apart. The 06-07 the year is, you know, this incredible Game 7 against the Rockets in an amazing series, and that's our greatest games in Jazz history today. The Rockets win Game 1 and 2 of this series. Again like 84-75 is the score of game 1. The this is just, you know, 13 years ago, 88 possessions a game, we had an effective field goal percentage that night of 38%. Then we win game 3 81-67. The Rockets scored 67 points. 84 possessions in that game. Oh my gosh. Then uh we win game 4, game 5 the Rockets go back and win in what was a great game, 96-92. And remember, this Rocket team is, I don't mean to give you a whole rundown of this whole series, but just to kind of put it in perspective, was Tracy McGrady, uh, Yao Ming. And this was a great, um, you know, this is game five. Generally, this is the game that kind of wins this. If you're two, tied 2-2, you always feel like this is the kind of game that wins a series. The game's, uh, the game's really close. Uh, Harpering hits a jumper to make it 99-88. Uh, With two minutes left, McGrady misses. Carlos Boozer gets a layup at the rim. It's 91-90. Then Yao hits a hook shot. Carlos answers. So it's now 93-92 with one twelve left in the ballgame. Yao Ming fouls out of the game with 55 seconds left. Memo has a three. He misses it. Offensive rebound, Karolinko. Harpering misses with 22 seconds left. Both with a chance to give the Jazz the lead in Houston for game five It's an epic game. They foul for Alston. He only makes one of the two free throws. The Jazz have another chance with 12 seconds left and an offensive foul on Derek Fisher. And then it's kind of gone. Yao Ming makes the free throws. So they go back to game six in Utah. And the Jazz actually find a way to force a game seven back in uh, Houston, and so it's a it's an epic Game Seven, and that's our best game in Jazz history 103-99, The Jazz beat the Rockets, and there's a but it's the Memo Three game in a lot of people's mind. Uh, and there's some things I think about this that are worth kind of going back. But Boozer's unbelievable in this game, and, and the Jazz, as the series went on, had really figured out how to exploit Yao Ming and and cause him problems. Yao didn't want to leave the middle. And so Memo's getting three balls, and Boozer's running the pick and roll with Darren. Darren had 14 assists in this ball game with 20 points. Boozer had 35 points, 14 rebounds, and five assists. And the Jazz, the Yao Ming's, you know, and and the Jazz are a tough matchup. The Rockets' strength is Tracy McGrady's scoring and Sean Shane Battier's defense and Yao Ming's size. And Yao Ming's size, he's still massively impressive, 29 points in this game, but it's actually causing problems for the Rockets because he can't get out and defend on Boozer, can hit the mid-range shots and things like that. If you look at Boozer's shot chart that game, Boozer was able to just kind of uh, move Yao Ming all over the place and then get inside as well uh, and cause him him—you know, all sorts of, all sorts of problems getting in, hitting that kind of mid-range jump shot and getting uh, to the rim. Uh, as when Yao Ming got pulled out, Memo hits about four or five mid-range jumpers in that game, including two big threes late that, that changed the tide. If you go back and and look at the end of this game, uh, kind of a classic. We we all remember Memo making the threes, but it's the offensive rebounds that actually changed the game. So we're tied at 91 with four minutes left. And Yao Ming misses uh, after Boozer turned it over on a backcourt violation. Memo buries a three with 3.23 left. Darren drives in the lane, kicks out to Memo. Yao Ming sucked in. Boom. But then Yao Ming answers with a dunk. Darren gets to the rim back. We're going back and forth. It's a three-point game. Harpering gets a big steal but misses a jumper on the other side. And uh, Chuck Hayes hits a jumper. Now it's a one-point game. Uh, with 140 left, and the Jazz come out of the timeout. They run a nice play. Memo gets an open three and misses. Boozer gets an offensive rebound that's awesome. Reset Memo buries the three to make it 99 95. Yao Ming makes two free throws to make it 99 97. Jazz come down. Memo gets an open look, misses. Harpering gets the rebound, and this is where the Jazz just had them scrambling. Kick back to Memo for another chance. This one late in the shot clock. 20 seconds, about four seconds left of the shot clock. Memo misses again, and Boozer out-hustles everyone for the rebound in the corner. He's fouled by Ray for Alston while doing it, makes both free throws, and that clinches the ballgame. So we all think of it as Memo's money man three, but the funny thing about that in, in, when you look back at it is Memo's actually one of four late, and the Jazz win it uh, with that. Here's Carlos after the game in his post-game interview with the late Craig Seger.
2: As for Donovan and Rudy, uh, I think they both spoke to this. They're ready to put uh, this behind them, uh, move forward, uh, act professionally. Uh, Look, the COVID-19 night of March 12th was really unprecedented. It brought a microscope to our team, and and we get it. Um, With that said... Uh, We're very pleased with the collective makeup of our group, Donovan and Rudy in particular. And we look forward uh, to moving forward. They've said their piece uh, to each other. Uh, uh, They've both visited uh, at the ownership level, at management level, at the coaches level, at the players level with each other. They're fully participating in our Zoom workouts. And... uh, there's going to be another level, I, I think, for the whole team to get back to each other. And frankly, Andy, I think our gratitude um, towards each other will, will be deeper, uh, deeper that we miss the camaraderie, uh, we miss the competition, uh, we even miss you guys. And, and so with that said, we, had full, we fully expect the team to come together in a, in a great way and, and continue to move forward. Uh, as a group, we were just starting to improve as a team those last six or seven games. I think we, we found a few things, a few rotations that really uh, worked. And I think at the end of the day, Donovan and Rudy, I don't want to speak for them on every matter. They'll speak for themselves moving forward. But I think uh, at the most basic level, they know they need each other to accomplish the goals that we want to accomplish as being the last team standing in the
1: NBA. So a lot of fun to look back at. again. Thanks to Jazz Basketball One YouTube account that's got all these centered back, and they're super fun to look at. Appreciate them dropping those in there for us, and, and having that archives. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com promo code locked on to get ten dollars off your first box. Thanks to Murdoch Hyundai and NERCAP Lending as well. Thank you for tuning in right now. Tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Chad Ford's NBA Big Board.